Hello and welcome to Into the Wild, the podcast that brings you wildlife facts, conservation updates and nature stories from the professionals to you. This episode of Into the Wild is brought to you by Leica Sport Optics. If you, like me, adore nature and love staring at it, then Leica are a company you totally need to check out. The binoculars I'm using this month are the Ultravid HD+. If you're looking for a proven design coupled with an optical elegance, you simply cannot overlook the Leica HD Plus model. A precise combination of the state-of-the-art technology, a new coating process and the greatest optical know-how. And now, on with the show. Burden. 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 I mean, there's so many birders. There's more birders on the planet than there are actual birds. Everyone's aware of that, right? I mean, what is all the fuss about? I've never understood the world of birds. And after one joke tweet about our feathered friends last year, and thousands of angry birders, and many wind-ups later, I decided to dip my toes into the pool of birds. But I can't do this alone. I needed some help. So in this mini-series titled, oh, Getting Ryan Into Birding, I called upon Jack Badham's Indy Green and Lucy Lapwing. They're going to take me under their wing, yeah, that's a pun, to teach me not only how, but why I should get into the world of birding. So thanks for tuning in and enjoy the show. Well, let me kind of explain what's going on because this is a different style episode. This is a panel show. We haven't done one of these for a while. Um, okay, I, you, my guests today know why we're here. I'll explain why. It sounds like I'm doing a public apology, but about last year I made, a, it was, I, I sent a tweet, it was a comment, a, a joke, a muse, if you will, is what I did, um, but I didn't find birds interesting. Um, I don't want to say I was attacked online, um, but there was a reaction from the birding world, uh, understandably. So it, it's been an ongoing joke from listeners on the show and and people on social media. So I thought what I'd do is I'd see what the big deal about birding and birds is, because I'm not gonna lie, I still don't get it, all right? I still don't understand it. So I thought, right, what's the best way to go around this? So I've gathered at force (laughs) three wonderful people and incredible birders and experts in their field. I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say that. So I'm joined today by Indy Green, Jack Badham's, and Lucy Lapwing, or whose surname I can never get right, even when I go and say <laughs> Just Lapwing, just like I've got nicknames for you all. I thought if we're going to do this as a thing, I'll just create nicknames. So we've obviously got Bad Boy Badams. I'll take that all day long. <laughs> we've got Lappers. Thanks, I'll lap it up. <laughs> and then Indy, I just went with um, Sherwoody Woody. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best. Oh my god. Can we just end that now? <laughs> that's all I could think of. And if you think about it, that that's actually a very inappropriate nickname for your age and who used to say that. But we won't go into that on the podcast. <laughs> so, I'm joined by these three wonderful people because this uh, mini-series is called Getting Ryan Into Burden. So let's see if we can do what Ryan last year thought might be the impossible. Um, so... My first question, I guess, is... <laughs> I don't want to be too formal with this, is... Right, okay, Jack. How did you get into birds? 
Well, let me tell you. Let me t- <laughs> let me regale you with the tale of it's the family tale, really. And oh, so the the legend in my family. I don't know how true this is, but the legend in my family is that word, word no bird was my first word. That's the legend. The legend. Yeah, I don't know if that's true or not. It's probably not. But I do know that by the time I was like three, I could identify all the birds in the garden. And I don't know why. So when people say, why did you get into birding? I don't actually know because it's there's, no. there's never been a time when I didn't like birds. And my parents, they'd never, they honestly had never heard of a dunnock or a chaffinch or they didn't know what any of these things were. And they just had this this weird kid who just would prop himself up at the window and watch all these birds and they had no idea what to do with me so they just god bless them just fed me with bird books and recorded every single nature we can say bird feed then just yeah that explains so much and that's that's why i'm this tall it's all the fat balls yeah they just crammed it so they just fed me with all this and they just thought this this is a phase and it'll go away and it never did so i don't have a story i don't have like an epiphany moment which i know lots of people do about how they got into birds because i don't remember a time where i wasn't into them but that's kind of my mm. it never went away so that's kind of my background and way into it okay okay so what you you mentioned two birds birds there that your parents didn't know i've got to hold my hands up here and go ditto this is the, is this the level <laughs> i don't know no what are they what do they look You're like sponsored by a binocular company right you can see many things through a binocular <laughs> <laughs> you can. So they're two of the commonest garden birds. Dunnocks are like little sparrows that, well, they're called hedge sparrows. They're not. They're in a completely separate family. But they hop around under the bird feeders. Uh, okay. And chaffinches are, yeah, just a common finch that you kind of get in your garden. But they are, yeah, stuff that my parents hadn't heard of. And I've since dragged my family into birding. But, uh, yeah, that's that's my story with it. Okay, okay. And, and Indy... Um, let's see how long he can go without mentioning the the G word. But oh, Indy, how did you? <laughs> I mean, you did it five seconds into this Zoom call when we started, so <laughs> I don't know what I was expecting. We had a chat this morning, and I reckon it came up thirty times. Not exaggerating. <laughs> That's quite did he see actually. one? Did he see one while he was on the phone yes. to you? Yeah, yeah, of course he did. We'd see a lot of things if we just hung around them all the time. <laughs> so, Indy, sorry, I didn't realise you were going to be roasted on this show. I thought it was going to be me. <laughs> Indy, how did you get into birds specifically? Um, I should probably should have prepared a proper answer, but it was so when I was probably around a lot shorter than I am now. Uh, probably around two years old, I had this weird plastic castle thing with a little slide and a tiny little door. Um, it was just mm-hmm. this really just a toddler play thing. And I remember because my mum works for the Wildlife Trust and we were out buying some cattle feed in a, I can't remember where the shop was, it was in North Nottinghamshire. And I remember I was just, I was just running around, I was looking at the toy tractors and stuff. And then I got to the end and I noticed all this bird food and I thought, oh, what's this about? And then I noticed all these cool, cool things which it said, you can put bird food in. I thought, oh, what's this about? So I, um, I got my mum to buy one for me and it was a peanut feeder, which I've still got, filled it up this morning. And that was about maybe five years ago when I first got that. And then I hung it up in the bush in the garden 
And then I got I got um, I got a little umbrella and a tiny little notebook and some <laughs> binoculars that may as well have not been there because they were just good as, as good as my eyes because they were absolutely rubbish. But um, then I just sat there with an umbrella, usually in the rain, typical Britain, and then just watched this feeder and it was a peanut feeder and then watched little house sparrows on it and then. I went back with my mum to get some more cow food at that store not too long after and then got another feeder and then admittedly when it peaked I had about 64 but it's it's slowed down a little bit since then. Fe- fe- sorry 64 feeders. Yes, yeah. That's intense. Yes. <laughs> yeah, my parents That's... it wasn't a great time for my parents either because they were of course paying for all the bird food um but that wasn't really my concern so I was alright. Um, that was a ha- that was a hell of a jump. From going, so I had a peanut feeder, and long story short, Ryan, I now own a garden centre. Um, but... <laughs> 64! How big is your garden? Or how cramped is your garden? Wait, which Sherwood Forest, isn't it? So... Oh, shut up. <laughs> if, I showed you my, if I showed you my 10 foot by 10 foot concrete patio, um, which is lovely. I do, I do nice stuff in it. Okay, cool. So you, you got yourself into it by... Um, just going and being intrigued more than anything, was it? Yeah, I mean, de- I mean, definitely. I mean, of course, having Sherwood Forest as my playground was, you know, it did help a little bit. But um, yeah, having those, I mean, just just having the just the area around me. Um, I mean, I know it looks quite dark because I'm just sat in a cold barn, but if, without all the darkness, <laughs> it is really nice around here. So um, you get some cool stuff. So I was just inspired by that, really. We should reference that at some point for the listeners and just let them know where Indy is stood right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm sat in a cold barn. And, Indy um, looks like he's reporting anything. from, like, worn-torn somewhere. <laughs> 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 and he's had to take cover. But he is safe for the listeners. Indy is fine. Right. Um, okay, cool. That Lappers, it's down to you now. How did you get into, into birds? Um, so I suppose... I don't know. I don't know. I don't think the three of us are competing to get you on our side, Ryan, but I think my journey into the bird world is probably the most relatable from your point of view. Um, I've always been like a wildlife nut and an H nut. Um, And I think most kids are like, you know, you show most toddlers, you know, just gross stuff in the garden, things like slugs and worms and they go absolutely mad for it. Um, And birds were a big part of my childhood, but I didn't really know a lot about them. I remember... I do remember taking some blackbird eggs when I was a kid and I remember rescuing a song thrush from the neighbour's cat um, and rehabilitating that in the garage and some ducks but like a species other than that I don't really remember like you know as a kid like I, I wasn't you know like these two nerds I didn't have books and like that <laughs> I didn't have books and stuff like that cut that swear word out um so I only started learning British bird identification when I was 20 um okay maybe 19 maybe 18 but like properly um and I remember just being like what is this about like who are all these people why are the loads of old blokes with beards and binoculars and it's just I remember thinking I remember being at that start of the journey not knowing the difference between a dunnock and a chaffinch and you know it just seeming so impossible um mm. so I I got into it because I managed to blag a job with the RSPB <laughs> <laughs> so, that's how uh, you do it right okay i literally i got the job and my boss told me this i got the job because only six people applied two people dropped out of the interview and the guy i was up against was in his 60s and i just had more enthusiasm so even though i knew nothing about wildlife they were like we'll give it to her you know no one else will do it so um yeah and then because of that i was surrounded by this just you know tapping into this there's such a wealth of natural history knowledge in the uk i'm sure the other two can agree um particularly in charities you get people who have just 
you know, dedicated their whole lives to learning and, um, yeah, and, and recording and surveying birds and watching them. And they have so much knowledge. And, you know, as much as you can present this image of the grumpy, you know, serious old bird, so, and they are mostly old, old white blokes, have hearts of gold and they've got all the time in the world to spend to teach you it. Um, and mm. I got like figuratively taken under the wing <laughs> um, by a few, <laughs> few um, volunteers who just spent so much time just teaching me stuff. So, and you just get hooked. And then I worked on my second nature reserve I worked on. I got in a, uh, a yearly bird race with two other people who knew nothing about birds. The bird race is where you start amount of time or a place or a year and see who can see the most species of birds. And so the three of us being complete like bird virgins decided to do it one year um, as a way to learn. And that's kind of how I got into it. You were both virgins. Virgins? Yes! I love that. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to mash it together. It's as simple as that. Okay, that's interesting though, because my other question was going to be how did the bird insight, but I guess for you, they kind of were the same thing. It was getting into birds and birding was kind of the same kind of i don't know journey and path for you but so jack how you then learned to love birds so how did birding become a thing um well i suppose it was just like like i said i always when you are looking at the things in your garden as i started it's only natural to want to put names to them i think mm. you don't have to that's the thing with that's the thing with birds and with nature is you don't have to identify anything to enjoy it you can just look at it and enjoy it for what it is but i think it's only natural to want to be able to put a name to something yeah. so it was having that bird book that i was given um and then just you know trying to match it i still i still have so much shame to this day that i didn't realize that male and female house sparrows were the same species and i'm i'm still i, I only realized that when i was about 10 and that that was quite a pivotal wait, moment, wait well my... what you you well, I thought they were different species, a male and female house sparrow. Because of the way they looked? Because they look completely different. Okay, that's and, fine. Uh, I, I thought you just meant you weren't aware that male uh, and females belonged to the same species. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, until, until I was about 14, 15, and then I suddenly realised. Um, but, yeah, it was... Um, it, so it, it was just that. And then I, when I was 10, I joined a local birding group. And just like Lucy said, like, the demographic is... When you are, when you're kind of our age, Indy maybe not included because he's like, <laughs> um, you go, you go to these bird groups and they are, you're like the youngest person there by no joke, like 30, 40 years. Really? Um, yeah. And it is, and it, it, I suppose that's why we're here because it is a bit intimidating mm. when you've got all these people who you think the only reason they know all their stuff is because they've been doing it for their entire lives. And of course that plays a part in it, but it doesn't mean it's completely inaccessible to uh, anyone. Mm. So it was only, I, I was 10 when I first met other people that just liked looking at birds like I did. Um, and maybe that's when the birding started because I started then making little lists of uh, stuff. But it just it just came from looking out the window and going, there's a bird. I, I want to know what it is. I want to know. I don't just want to call it bird. I want to know what name it is. <laughs> Such... <laughs> that made me laugh then. I was like, I could just picture it at the window going, well, I know it's a bird. Now I've got to, now I've got to get deeper into it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> Um, Indy, what about you? How did so you obviously you, you had your seven point eight million feeders in the garden, um, and then you 
And but how did the birding aspect? I guess it, I, I'm asking this. It's obvious. You obviously just had a flood of birds. It was like Alfred Hitchcock film in your garden, surely. Well, exactly. Yeah. Next question, please. <laughs> <laughs> Is that literally how it just happened? You were just like, well, there's so many. I've just got to identify them. Well, it was that, and I just—it was just this general curiosity. It was like it was like Lucy was saying earlier, the inert, the, like toddlers. Well, any kid really just wants to know. You know, if you show them something cool in the garden, they want to know what it is, or want to jump in a puddle, then they want to do that. So with me, it was that um, a general kind of curiosity, really, of seeing a bird. And it, I remember it kind of frustrated me not knowing what it was. So that's mm. when I, I can't really remember how I really started to because it all just kind of happened in one year because people often ask me how did you learn all the different bird songs and i just downloaded an app and listened to it um pretty much every day literally literally every day every morning and then i just it just sort of happened and i don't really remember it that much but it was definitely this um kind of curiosity just seeing something and thinking oh what is that that looks cool and oh it's something else and something else and i had this bird because i keep records of basically everything i see and i still do um, and just, just in a notebook, I'm on my 18th notebook now, and um, there was this bird every single summer that would fly across um, some pylons about 20 metres from where I'm standing and where I've sat now. And it used to go beep, 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 beep. And I had it down as, um, what did I have it down? I had it down as UKB, and it was unknown bird. And I had it down like that for years because I didn't know what it was. Mm. Um, so it was, and then I finally I found out there was a meadow pipit. And I just think, God, why didn't I know it was a meadow pipit? But just for years, I just had this bird every single summer that would come back and forth and back and forth. And it was, it, that really was all, all of what it was. It's just curiosity to think, oh, that's cool. I want to see that. That's, that's awesome. And also just a live update for the listeners. <laughs> Lucy has got a live tawny owl. Um, when I say live, I mean it's happening now, not just she's gone <laughs> opposed to a, a deceased tawny owl. <laughs> I had a live fox a second ago. It was it was shouting its head off. A fox. <laughs> Me and Jack have just got you know the the essence of our room temperature. Um, whereas <laughs> got a house plant. Do you want to see a plant, a cactus? Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's an alarma themed pot. If that's uh, of any wildlife interest, it does make it more appealing. It really does. Um, okay, so right, Lucy, this is this is an interesting question. So I think I'm not sure if you have answered it. What excites you about burden? Oh, geez, sorry, calm down. Um, <laughs> for me, okay, there's a, there's a few different elements to it. Depends how nerdy you want to go on the on the very forefront of it. You get your toes in when you first get in. They're another vertebrate, they're another warm-blooded creature, but they mm. operate and behave and move and um, just do everything in a completely different way. And it's all with mannerisms and movements and behaviours that we can't read as a species. Like when, you, when you're observing a mammal, there are mm. certain kind of um, behaviours and movements and things that they do that you can relate with as another member of the, the mam gang like you, you know what it's you know do you know what i mean like you can read that behavior yeah it, it even goes as far with like domestic animals so like our pets and things but with birds just op- just watching the speed that they operate in just how many little you know if a bird comes to a feeder it's looked around 20 times in the time you've taken to just look at it it can move so fast and you can just see these tiny little movements happening and they're just so full of character and what a bird is not a bird is not a bird is not a bird because even though we, we put this like label on them all oh, they're all birds you know there's what 
10 the nearly 11,000 species now in the world you ornithologists answer you know if you compare something like a blue tit to something like a gannet they're, they're not comparable yeah. they're so different and they're so varied and the fact that you can get one bird killing another in front of your eyes in your garden in an urban setting it's not you know it's not far-fetched birds are accessible for everyone and that's my other nerdier point to, to burden is that they're like mm. they're, they are like having a constant measure like a constant thermometer like a literal canary in the mine of the state of the environment around you like you can read what kind of quality habitat you're in by what kind of bird you're interacting with so you know if you're seeing your blackbirds your robins your tits right then you know that <laughs> <laughs> you know it's just pretty standard you know you know they'll survive anywhere you know like um you know, blackbird will live on a rubbish dump, for God's sake. But if you're going somewhere and you see something that's a little bit... And when this is what happens when you start to get into bird and you start to learn more birds, you start to learn what they need and what they require. Um, and so that if you see a bird or hear a bird, if you start getting into bird song, if you can hear them, you know you're in an area that supports them. It tells you something about that habitat. That's really nerdy. Sorry, but that's why I like birds. No, no, it's cool. So, so for you, it's, it's like the indicator species of kind of what's around you. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, you can do that on such a, a minute basis, like even mm. just going from, even if you're in a, in a woodland and you step outside into a meadow, you can, you can learn to predict what you might see or hear literally under the set of the trees, outside the trees. Like, it's amazing. So, Jack, what about you? What excites you about birding? <laughs> I think... I think there's there's two points there that Lucy raised which are which are really great and I think I mentioned it when when we had our chat on the last podcast mm. I think and it's about they and I think I've I think I've phrased it a little bit better now is what I was trying to get across is they are like exquisitely alien that they are not like mammals they are like these beautiful otherworldly reptilian but not creatures that are just outside your window mm. and they're so easy they're so they're so accessible as lucy's already perfectly described um but i think when we talk about birding it'd be interesting to know first of all what you think birding is uh, and and what your listeners think birding is because what we are all not talking about is what many people think bird watching or twitching is which is going out and listing species and making meticulous notes because birding to us is 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 a much more uh kind of nebulous concept of just going out and interacting with mm, birds okay. and that's what lucy was talking about when she was talking about um being able to monitor habitats or the changes of the seasons it's a much more it's not just us going out and ticking them off our list and mm. then just being this thing that we put on they are a way that we completely interact with the world and a way that we live really and we we all live through nature but birds are perhaps our, our, our most common and most obvious way of of interacting with that natural world uh, and charismatic way mm. i would say um so birding to me takes all forms from putting a feeder on your bird table to getting up at half four in the morning to put rings on their legs like that that's the concept of birding for me and i think that's what excites me is you can be anywhere along that scale and you are a birder as long as you're engaging with birds that instantly has slightly we've we've come to a milestone of this mini series already because that has slightly changed my perception now because you've just said it's it's a spectrum right so it doesn't matter i guess i was sat here going you know it, it's another form of stamp collecting 
<laughs> yeah, and to many people, it is. And the three of us here, that's, that's the, you know, we don't worship at that church. We very much worship <laughs> at, the, at the church of just enjoying them on a much more, uh, a complete level. Mm. Because, yeah, th- those people who those people who uh, will chase all over the chase all over the country to watch a dying american robin on some windswept <laughs> scottish headland though they're not we, t- we don't we don't have time for those people because there's too many people <laughs> out there that that actually care totally agree yeah. i'd go as far as to add as well and this is just me to bring hashtag woke 2021 into it as a <laughs> young youngish female it's 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 so God damn off-putting the world of birding from from a young girl's perspective. Considering that I'm I'm in this on my own, I don't have any from my friendship circle. I don't have any friends that are into it. That's really sad. I do now because I've met them through work and through through my passion. But as a twenty some as twenty one year old coming out of uni, nobody in my social circle was interested in birds. So it was up to me mm. on my own time to go out and to just be out on a nature reserve and just be approached by you know when you're not interacting with the lovely volunteers that i mentioned earlier it's so just i can't say what i want to say because indy's here egotistical it's a it's a bunch of older blokes all arguing about who's got the best thing if you know what I'm who's got say. the biggest lens yes yes the biggest lens yes <laughs> say. um and i just can't be bothered with it it's so it's so inaccessible and this is you know the conversation has come much more to the forefront recently about the lack of diversity in birding and in conservation. Mm. And you can see how intimidating it is from the outside. Um, mm. Yeah, like you said, Jack, it's, it's, there's so many people who, and fair enough, it, it does it for some people, is to just be this big tick machine and it's all very competitive and who's got the most birds, blah, blah, blah. But I don't think in today's situation with the biodiversity crisis and the climate crisis, gallivanting from, you know, Shetland to bloody the Scilly Isles and back to see XYZ rarity... It's not really justifiable for the sake of you ticking it off on your list. Boom, mic drop. <laughs> Although don't because you're on your phone. And um, but no, that's um, no, that's I, I I completely agree with that. That's the kind of I guess that's the view. I don't I wouldn't say it's the view I had because I guess I've not looked into the world of it enough. But it's the assumption I had of that's what it would be like. And I guess when me and you spoke, Jack, I because compa- you said to me that's that side of it winds you up and you can't stand that side of it. And I said to you, it's the same with me and, and other vegans. I cannot stand them. I cannot stand because I don't like that kind of, you know, meat is murder. I'm like, calm down. Like, do you know what I mean? Like people live different lives. So I guess I, I share that. Yeah. And, and it winds me up no end where I suppose my version of that is when people post a picture. You see a picture on Twitter and it's of some it's of some lanceloted warbler or fantail warbler it's always something really shit and they posted a picture of it and everyone goes oh look at this stunning xyz it's not stunning within the bird community or a caspian gull people get really really passionate about caspian gulls which look like every other gull and people describe them in these and you're sat there going like it's not stunning. It's just a gull, and I, I, I know how rare it is, and it's still shit. So it's like for somebody who's not into somebody who's not into that world, you're like, well, what? How? It just looks like a gull. So, like, they are the twitchers are the biggest barrier, oh. I think, to 
to a lot of people getting into birding because you think <laughs> you have to be like them. I would one-up that. they worse than the, the people who think Caspian gulls are sexy are the ones that post an obscure rarity, like a little brown jobs. I'm, I'm trying to think of one now, like, word out loud in my life. Icterine, Icterine, yeah. warbler. And they'll yeah. just, but they'll just be like, they'll post a picture of it. Core warbler bird. But what? What is the bird? Like, what? Like, we're not in the secret club. You've not said what the bird is. You're just saying, what a bird. It's like, yes, what is it? For all these yeah. people that are supposed to yeah. appreciate it. It's like this inside club where it's like, well, I know what it is. And I'm going to signal to you because you're another bird that you know what it is. But anybody who's a beginner, they don't know what it is. This really boring brown bird. It's like. I mean, I'll just say. I'll just say now, I I I I always liked a Caspian goal, but you know I won't say any more about it. I just that's... there was there was a guy there was a guy on Twitter who who did a brilliant thing where he got really annoyed by this exact thing, and that's why I used Caspian goal as an example. Uh, and what he did is he um, searched Twitter for um, tweets that included stunning and Caspian goal and and stunning. And bee eater. Now, if you don't know what a bee eater is, it's the most extraordinarily coloured paint by numbers bird that generally breeds in Europe and migrates down to Africa. And we do get them turning up as rarities here. Probably, I don't know, maybe more so. They certainly get spotted more than Caspian gulls. And he found that more people had tweeted describing Caspian gulls as stunning, which just looks like an average gull, than had tweeted describing bee eaters as stunning. And it's just like, what are you doing? I'm surprised he found more than eight tweets. But, you know, that's Twitter. I don't understand <laughs> the algorithm. All right, so that was... This is interesting because as you were getting on your rant, which I loved, um, then I was going to ask Lucy, but then Lucy joined in. So, Indy, now I'm going to ask you, what f- what infuriates you about the birding world? Oh, oh, no. Um... <laughs> it's got to be something. Not enough goshawks? <laughs> <laughs> Um, Not enough bird feeders. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh! Um, what infuriates me about the birding world? Um, what infuriates me about the birding world? Oh my! You might not have goodness. anything. Well, I mean, because you're it, still, I, mean, I guess, you're still into it. Yeah, I mean, I'm still kind of discovering it, I suppose. I mean, a lot of the birding I do is basically just on my own. Um, I was telling Sir Lucy the other day. I was. I remember when I first kind of joined the Not- Nottinghamshire Bird Watchers Club, and I'd seen a song thrush in the garden. And they were um, trying to get people to basically send in reports to put on the website so that people can, you know, twitch them or whatever. And I sent in a song thrush, uh, which is quite a common species around the UK, but I didn't know that at the time. But because it said on the website, because I looked them up to, to learn how to ID them, and it said they were red listed. And I thought, well, they've got to be rare then. And so I just sent it in and I sent him three, three emails and he didn't reply. And I just thought... This is a song thrush. They're red listed. Can you please put it on the website? And I was just like, come on. And then um, he just said, um, hi, Indy. Um, as much as we love song thrush, um, <laughs> they're not actually a rare bird. And I was like, well, yeah, but they're red listed. They're endangered. Um, and he was like, yeah, but tough. So, and I was just like, oh. So that really annoyed me. So I think a lot of the time it's annoying that people dismiss certain birds. I mean, I know, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm guilty of it all the time, but... It's it's annoying when you see it on such a larger scale when you just when when you just sort of have you know still fantastic birds there but they just you know just you know treat them like dirt and they're just looking for the rare stuff just to tick off the list which really it's I mean I go to places like I've been to you know Spurn Bird Observatory near Hull I've been there a couple of times which is great it's full of cool birds and I mean 
I'm not a twitcher. Like, I mean, I, I don't go there if something rare turns up. I just go there whenever, whenever I feel like it. I'm not, I'm not, you know, looking at websites and seeing when the cool stuff's there. I just go whenever I want. And if I don't see anything, I'm not going to start having, you know, throwing all my toys out the pram. But um, it's, it's, I think the way some people dismiss some cool birds when they really are absolutely amazing is a Do you mean like, ha- do you mean like dismissing like people might dismiss like a Caspian gull? <laughs> <laughs> yes, actually, absolutely, because they're absolutely stunning, uh. Jack. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say they're like no other gull. <laughs> I would. I remember I was at Rutland Water in Leicestershire and I was sat in this hide. It was it was a bird fair years ago. And I was just sat there. I I hadn't even like I hadn't got a scope of binoculars or anything. I just um said to the old bloke next to me, I said, Is there anything about? And he just said, Oh, there's a Caspian gull over there. And um I just said, Oh right, okay. Um I just said, Whereabouts is it? Because I, I mean I'd never seen one before. Um and he just said, Oh, it's in the middle. And I was just like, okay, any anything else? Um and I I've got a picture and I got him to circle um, the Caspian gun on my phone. I just thought, it looks like every other one. So <laughs> it's just, I don't, that's it. I mean, the amount of, I mean, yeah, it's, it's difficult because you almost want to say credit to them for actually spending that long to find these birds. But when you do find them, they are a rather disappointment. But um, yeah. I think my favourite yeah, sentence of this show is going to be, and no offence to Lucy or Indy, but it's going to be from Jack, whereas I know how rare it is, but I still don't give a sh- <laughs> it's the most uh, like it's the probably the most harshest sentence I've heard in the nature world since I've done this podcast. Yeah, I mean that's not that I, I don't mean that in terms of like the conservation. No, of sorry, no species. questions, I'm not that no about, comments, like, no giant stop. pandas. <laughs> oh, it was just so wonderfully delivered. It was just uh, um okay, right. So let's go on to this one. So the, the point of the show, get me into birding. What the hell? You've said what you love about it. You said how you got into it. You've said what annoys you about it. What would you say to me? If you could say one thing to say, Ryan, this is why you get into birding. Indy, what would you say? Have some fun. Come here, watch some goshawks. Um, but what I, what I did, which was quite... It, 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 this won't seem like a big shift into sort of bird watching, but... For some really strange reason, it was, and I've only told one of you here this story. And I was with, um, I was with a school friend, and we, we still chat occasionally. And I was, we were about, oh, how old are we? About maybe eight or nine years old, and we were snooping around some of the barns. We were here, and we were snooping around the barns together, and we found a really old barbecue in one of the neighbours' barns. And um, and it hadn't been used for ages. And, and we, we didn't really ask permission. I'm not listening, but we didn't really ask permission. We just sort of nicked it. And then we just put it in a barn about 30 metres away. And then we didn't really think about anything else of it. And then um, and then that day ended and she came back about, I don't know, a couple of months later. And she said, have you still got that barbecue? I was like, yeah. And we, because we'd found a dead bird already that morning. And <laughs> Where is this going? <laughs> This is such a bad story. Um, and then, I don't know why he's picked this to try and get you into birding. I'll tell you how to get into it by telling you how to cook a goshawk. As a food source for the apocalypse. <laughs> but... I didn't cook it. This gets better. <laughs> better. Um, so, and then we found, we, the first bird we found was a siskin, because it was winter. Second bird I found was a goldfinch, and the last bird I found was a pied wagtail. And this is a very old barbecue, it wasn't like one of those plug-in ones. So, I, 
I opened the barbecue and I had all the birds on a spade and then I put them in the barbecue and then shut the lid. I didn't burn them. I didn't touch them at all. I just then closed the lid. And then only about a year ago did I remember they were there. And um, I went in, <laughs> I opened the barbecue and there are these now perfect skeletons of a siskin, a goldfinch and a pied wagtail with the skull and everything. They had fallen through the grill, so I had to take that out and you know, remove it from the coal and stuff. <laughs> just, just an unnecessary are... <laughs> detail there for the story. <laughs> but I, there, now there are some absolutely perfect skeletons of all these birds, and I don't dare touch them apart from the skulls. And looking at those skulls, it looks so cool. Like, I remember when I first got onto Twitter, and however long ago that was, and my first tweet I ever saw was one from Jack. And he shared, um, and he shared a picture of a great spotted woodpecker, and where the tongue goes around the head, and so basically when they're sort of rooting around, um, rooting around like looking for little grubs and stuff when they're hammering away in trees, they use that really long tongue, but they've got to put it somewhere so it wraps around the back of their head. Mm, mm. And it obviously wasn't the same with a pied wagtail because they're not a woodpecker, but seeing all the all the little details of those skulls was really cool. So my sort of message with that. Um, strange story is just enjoy the nerdiness of it and just um instead of kind of taking the the classic sort of maybe birder approach instead of just you know go and see this if you hear something cool there go the go see that but just focus on i I won't say focus on the dead birds in the garden because that's not right focus on the live (laughs) birds in the garden um but yeah but but be inquisitive about the biology as well do you want me to save you um, and say that (laughs) Yes. That'll be his defence in court in ten years' time. <laughs> and the three people that you found in the barbecue yeah. in the barn was because I was inquisitive about biology, <laughs> Your Honour. And but no I further questions. You, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I've got a very old barbecue in the garden, so I can't wait to get started on some pigeon skulls. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, if you're out on a walk in Hampstead Heath and you find some, you know, if you find some night jars, then absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, I wouldn't mind a night jar skull to be honest. But yeah, if you, um, yeah, then just, just, yeah, have some fun. Just, I mean, just, I mean, don't overdo it if you know what I mean so I remember yeah, I was chatting yeah, to a friend okay. not long ago who sort of went um, oh right I want to learn like a hundred bird songs in a year and like you know count so many things and I'm just like well then it so- doesn't become as fun because like you know people like I mean I a lot of people you know twitchers they've got lists and stuff and they sort of set themselves aims of I don't know seeing 300 birds in a year then it doesn't become fun then it becomes stressful and it feels like pressure to kind of you know if you hear something quite far away and you want to go see it then you feel like you have to go see it to add it to the list but if you just you just take it slowly and you enjoy it instead of it feeling like a pressure to think mm. oh no I've done this podcast with three bird experts and now they've told me I need to go learn about birds and I have to go on Hampstead Heath every morning from 4am and never leave until I learn every bird song on there then Disclaimer, that's I'm not, not doing that yeah, no, I didn't think you would. It so, be clear. Um, yes. So, yeah, just have fun and don't feel as if it's a pressure, really. Sweet. Okay, that's that is a genuinely a good place to start. Um, Jack, what would you say to me to get me into birding? Why? To get you into birding? Well, I think I think it comes down to as we've already discussed the accessibility. Because let's let's analyze your other options if it's not going to be birds. Okay. So your other options are plants. There's a reason that the phrase plant blindness actually exists. (laughs) And it's because even people who care about nature don't really care about plants. Like, we all should, but, like, come on, they're not birds. Like, there's, there's insects, 
They're great. Yeah. Like, they're fine. Whoa, but whoa, so whoa. Many you of can't them. just dismiss insects with they're like, great. No, no, they're fine. No, okay, so, like, the best the best kind of insects, like, that birders often go into, and I, I'd like to caveat, I obviously love all these things, but I'm giving you the hard sell on birds. So, <laughs> like, like the, the best insects, we've got things like moths. Great, there's some great moths, but how many brown ones do you have to sit, sift through before you get to the good ones? And then... So we've got like plants, we've got insects. What else have we got? The great nemesis of the bird when it comes to fighting for people's affection is mammals. Like when was the last time you saw a wild mammal that wasn't a gray squirrel? I mean, you're in London, so I suppose you get foxes. Foxes. Which, bring, which um, brings you to a grand total of two wild mammals. But I've not finished my list yet. Go on then. <laughs> Rabbit. Rabbit, okay. It's a strong list. It's just, and it's nearly where it ends. <laughs> and hedgehog. Yeah, so mammals, they're, <laughs> they're far, everyone really likes mammals, but people don't, like, when you actually ask people, like, how many mammals are you seeing, you don't see them, you're not seeing them very often. Whereas birds, you can look out your window and you can see more species than you've just named, you know, when it comes to mammals, in an hour. So they're just, when you look at the list of things you can be interested in in nature, for their charisma, for their interest, and most importantly, to get back to the, to the official point, is for their ease that you can engage with them. It has to be birds, because they do really exciting things. You don't need to stay up until it's like, in the dark to try and find them like all mammals like you have to to find to find an in, a mammal doing interesting stuff you have to really put the effort in for birds you can look outside your window and like lucy mentioned earlier you can see a bird killing another bird like you can see a sparrowhawk on top of a pigeon in your garden so for me i think the the sell to get you into birding is your other options are pretty limited and birds <laughs> come out very, very highly on top. But this is where I'm like, no, because like that's basically saying birds are so good because they're always around. Like, birds are like Gemma Collins; they never quite leave. Like, they're all just there. <laughs> yeah, but if you're going for a map, like dedicating yourself to something that you have a low success rate at, like mammals, like that's how you get a gambling addiction. Like, <laughs> it's not. It's not. Don't bring that up on the podcast. Know, <laughs> because you don't, you don't, you should. Like, there's people who spend their entire lives like surveying mammals that they never see. Birds, they're just everywhere. And I think that the great thing about birds is, of course, you have the really obvious ones. But then if you really want to challenge yourself, there mm. are the ones that are ridiculously hard to find. Very sore spot for me. Bittens. But we're not going to go into that. Um, but there is. You still. Can you can still. You can take still. Still, it's been lockdown, Lucy. Come on, cut me some slack. But <laughs> the, there's, um, so, so you can there's there's that spectrum from the really really common stuff you can enjoy in your garden in your park, and then if you want to challenge yourself, you can be you know like we've said, you can look for the harder stuff. You can be a twitcher if you really want to look for stuff that turns up maybe once in a lifetime. Um, whereas mammals, and another thing about mammals, this is just Jack on his mammal <laughs> no, no, another... You can't turn the show. Don't turn the show against mammals. But they're all, like, the colours of birds. When I talk about the variety, like, people give birds a bad name, especially British birds, and say that they're all brown and boring. But, yeah. like, they come in so much variation, as Lucy's already mentioned, from blue tits to gannets, um, in so much colour, in so much 
style, in so much behavior, in so much shape. There's just that variety, that complete variety that you can very, very easily witness with birds that you can't with any other. Um, they've got like the perfect mix of being able to be easily observed and not too hard to identify because it's like with insects and plants, mm. there's, they're, they're easy to find and that is great. Lots of them are easy to identify, actually, if you if you put the time in. But they can also it get it gets quite tricky quite quickly when you're looking at some of those smaller things. Whereas birds, the common ones you're going to identify, they're pretty easy to be able to work out which one's which. So for me, they have that perfect mix of being easy to see. They've got the variety, and they're quite easy to identify if you you know if you want to kind of give some thought to it. And the last one is that they're not a mammal. <laughs> And the, and the, yeah, they don't have fur and produce milk, which is always a winner. <laughs> and you, if you, you can't stand that. Goss, if you've got mammals and birds, you can come here and see a goshawk holding a mammal. Oh, here we go. Okay. <laughs> that's that's the best place for a mammal, to be honest. <laughs> In the talons of a goshawk. It'd been five minutes and he hadn't said the word goshawk, so he had to he had to bring it. <laughs> <laughs> My batteries are starting to fail. I need to say goshawk to bring uh, it. Goshawk, yeah. So I, mean, it, I was out of charge. Okay, so Lucy, your one thing to get me into birding go so the so apart from the skeleton thing the other two have covered some really good points um i would say so what to get you into birding mm. i would say um birding is amazing it's brilliant because it will turn any drab boring situation where you're either outside or you have access to a window into something that can be interesting you can observe even if it's like a boring bird that's a common one you can observe brilliant bird behavior pretty much from wherever you are and that's a testimony to how tough birds as a group are because you know people for example hate gulls not for the very angry reasons that jack does but for <laughs> for being you know flying rats or whatever that eat your chips at the seaside um but that's because they're so adaptable like birds have managed to fit into the most horrifically hostile situations that we've created like literal concrete hell holes and you'll still find mm. birds there so you can be in any situation you can be waiting for the bus you can be in an office looking out the window you can be in a train station you can be you know anywhere like in the scuzziest dirty back end alley of a city and you can still see <laughs> birds and because of that you can just get lost in them so it's just a really really good mental escape like i could i was feeling really like busy headed and like stressed a little bit like oh this morning and all of a sudden i got completely pulled out of it because often in this bit of scrub next to me i heard a willow and i've not seen a willow tip for months and it's just mm. it just completely takes you away and i was just completely lost in that for 15 minutes and and that's the other half of it is because you can choose how big of a journey it is and how fast you go into it. You can go all out and decide, you know, you want to get to your 400 British birds in the next five years, whatever. Or you can, like, you can take it really slow. Like, I always more to see and always more to learn. Like, I, I've been that person as much as, you know, other people might laugh. A lot of people in birding don't admit their downfalls enough. I've been that person that, as an adult, probably struggled to tell the difference between a blue tit and a great tit. And I've come on yeah. to learn. And <clears throat> things that used to seem impossible to me. I remember listening to a chiff chaff and a great tit singing and thinking, how does anybody tell these two things apart? And now I'm like, what an idiot. But you can go from knowing, <laughs> you can go from it being this completely like, how could I ever do that thing? To being like, oh yeah, yeah. like banging, I can identify all of these. Like I've seen all of these things. And like today, like if you'd have told the Lucy three years ago that I would have identified a willow tit by sound, I'd be like, get lost. No, you'll never be able to do that. But this is the thing, you just constantly 
it's exercising your brain it's like it's you can literally feel it physically like massaging your brain in the most like delicious way like learning this knowledge and when you connect with it and it like reinforces that in your brain you're like oh my god i got it right and oh it's just it's just constant warmth and joy and excitement like today i was trying to find a dipper and i didn't see one but every time i stopped at a stream my heart was literally going like this because i was like oh my god it's gonna be a dipper <laughs> i was gutted but because i kept seeing like splashes in the water or little like shiny rocks that looked like it could be the back of a dipper I'd be like, oh, like and literally get excited over a, a bird but you know it sounds pathetic but it's that's what life is all about isn't it just getting you know nobody laughs at anybody for getting excited about a dolphin or a lion or an elephant like everybody would be like oh my god holy shit, that's amazing and you can feel that joy and that excitement at the birds in your back garden in the uk like why wouldn't you want to get into that yeah okay so i yeah like with so much as a mindset thing then so it must be because obviously i've you you can I guess it's that disconnect. We forget we are disconnected from things around us. But then if you connect with it, it becomes that excitement. Like I tweeted today that uh, my girlfriend Christina sent me a picture where she was on her narrowboat of a kingfisher in, uh, on London's canal. There was a kingfisher just sat there. And that for us is like, what? Because you, you don't see that in central London. And we're just kind of on the outskirts now. But then we're starting to get that kind of birds. And that was a big moment for us. And we were so excited. So I think like... I understand that of that kind of like when you start to see different things, it's going to build your excitement and then you can maybe connect with the other things as well. Oh, my God. Am I getting into birding? Yes. Welcome. Has it just happened? Oh, God. Um, I'll get my book. <laughs> I'll get my little check really? sheet. We did. You don't, you don't, you don't need it. That's the thing now. It's the internet. You've got the internet. You don't mm. even need to buy anything extra anymore to 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 get into birding. You just need to Google common garden birds and start from there. I thought you were going to get really like philosophical then. Like you don't need to buy a book. It's all just in here. <laughs> <laughs> my, my friend recently did that, and he was absolutely convinced in July that he'd seen a waxwing. <laughs> Okay. Like I googled it and I was like, well, "Go on." Then. Yeah, so well, that's like, yeah. You, you're right actually because when you do that, that's, <laughs> that's when you end up um, putting house wrens into quizzes, <laughs> isn't it? Yes, Ryan, it is. Yes, right. <laughs> do you know what? This has become a personal attack. <laughs> can I just say? Can I just say? I have never. I didn't even know a house wren existed, and I've never heard of house wren. But because I know about British birds, I did say, it sounds like a little bit of a weird wren doing something weird. And it's because you go you down did. that journey and you pick stuff up, even though you threw me under a bus. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. What I did is I thought, let's try and, let's try and you know, trip lappers up here. Let's see if I can throw in a wren. Um and I, and I, and I did. And, and, and you, I, you know, I should have awarded you the point, lappers, because you, you got it. Technically, you got the wren. <laughs> From now on, if anyone on Test the Guest asks for birds, I go straight to one of you three and go, give me, give me 12 of these types of birds. <laughs> so you don't get ones from the wrong continent. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if they didn't move around as much, this confusion wouldn't happen, would they? This is why we don't have this problem with mammals. This is what I said to Lucy McRobert, all right? The reason why everyone knows about the honey badgers is because it stays in the same damn place. <laughs> doesn't migrate because it's a bit chilly. <laughs> Right, okay, so this is a solid start. I feel like I've got something to go on. I think the next time we talk, I'm going to go out in the field 
Um, not literally. I mean, well, I do mean literally, but not just in a field. I'm going to go to my nearest green space. And then you guys can guide me round because I still think there's a bit of me going like, I don't know how to start. How do you start with this? Like if you go out or if you're in your garden or anything, like what do you look for? So I think that's maybe the next step we go with getting Ryan into birding. I've got the theory. I feel like I've, I've read the, the highway code. I now need to do some practice tests on the on the laptop. I feel like that's what I need to do. You should send us stuff as well. Like this, it, It's kind of like, you're like this. This is in your speak. You know when you're training a dog? And you need to like you've got a clicker, <laughs> um, and you know you, it it does something, and you're like, oh good, good boy, click click click. Like you move when you this has got a point to it. When you see a bird or you hear a bird, the faster you get that reinforced what it is, instead of there being a wait in between observing it and identifying it. So if you're out and you hear a bird singing, you send it to us, and we go, bam, it's this. It clicks faster. So so. Essentially, Lucy, Lucy's advice to me is we'll treat you like Pavlov's dog and, and we'll, we'll click and send you a Haribo every time you get one right. Exactly that. Yes, that was my point. Um, I mean, I'm game for that if there's rewards involved with food. Like you've, I think we've just cracked how to get Ryan into birding. <laughs> feed him every time he gets it right. Okay, sweet. Yeah, let's do that. I'll start doing some video docs when I'm out at Hampstead Heath and we'll see what I can find and then we'll do some more interviews. Well, thank you to Bad Boy Badams, Lappers and Shawuddy Woody um, for joining me. <laughs> it got better the second time. No one is expecting that. Um, thanks for joining me on the first episode of Getting Ryan Into Burden and we'll chat in a couple of weeks, maybe then. We'll try and set this up and see how we can get this going because, you know what? I made a joke. I accept it. Birds are f- fine. And they've got their, <laughs> they've got their very interesting points that I'm excited to get into. God, what have I started? Okay, right. When you say fine, do you mean fine or fine? Oh yeah, I meant fine. <laughs> <laughs> I just forgot to prolong it. You know, sometimes you like, you know, they know what I mean. <laughs> right. Okay. Cool. Let's end this chat here. I feel like I've got everything. Thank you so much, guys, for joining me and let's catch up in a couple of weeks bye everyone thanks again for listening don't forget you can now become a part of into the wild's patron at www.patreon.com forward slash into the wild podcast and gain early access to all episodes and exclusive shows you can also get in touch with me at into the wild pod at gmail.com or on social media at into the wild pod on twitter and into the wild podcast on instagram whether it's just to say hello, share some thoughts on the episode, or even let me know what you want to hear about next. Until next time, keep well, stay safe, and live the good life.